the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Like Bob on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Live. Welcome back to Bob Bernie Live, and we are on the road. We are at the Akron Fairlawn Hotel for the big Freedom Banquet tonight, sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance. When you are doing live radio, there are good surprises and there are bad surprises. And when you are doing live radio on the road, on a location, the surprises are usually bad surprises. They really are. But I have a good surprise. I had scheduled for 445 Bill Federer to be with me. But he's here early. He just popped in the door, and I am just so excited to welcome Bill Federer to the program. I don't know how many times you've been on my program, Bill, but it is a delight, a privilege, and an honor to have you again on Bob Birdie Live. Well, Bob, great to be with you, and you're a champion. Man, you've been on the front lines holding up the torch for liberty for (laughs) as long as I can remember. Well, nobody works as cheap as I do. That's Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for being out there. All right. Give us a little background on Bill Federer, all right? You are nationally known. You've written, I don't know how many books, you know, 10,000 books. You've written all kinds of books, podcasts, radio, TV, so forth. But kind of give us the history of Bill Federer. Uh, One of 11 kids. My dad was an attorney historian. 11 kids? I was fifth, so I got beat up on, but I got to beat up. (laughs) And... uh, we uh, would always go on vacations to history spots. Uh, and, really? You know, Kit Carson, Fort, and, and French Fort, Spanish Fort, Pea Ridge, Battlefield. Where, where did Arkansas, you grow up? St. Louis. In St. Louis. And when, um, uh, as an adult, uh, you know, went through college, uh, University of Dallas, St. Louis University. But I really committed my life to Christ uh, in my uh, early 20s. And uh, my wife volunteered us to teach junior high Sunday school at a church and the kids knew more than I did, you know, but, but I would study. And, um, but then I, I started getting this um, awareness of history being altered and then leaving out our godly heritage. And I ex- actually saw in a school textbook a copy of the um, Mayflower Compact, and it says, having undertaken dot, 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 a voyage to plant the first colony on the northern parts of Virginia. What did they leave out with the dot, dot, dot? Wait, they omitted portions of the Mayflower yeah. Compact? Yeah. And Intentionally. So, yeah, because they you know, wanted to edit it down. But what did they leave out? It was having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith a voyage to plant the first colony on the northern part. In other words, they just conveniently left out anything that referenced faith. And so I decided to go to libraries and major university libraries, and I would read through all the colonial charters. I was amazed that every colony was started by a different Christian denomination. Mm-hmm. Virginia was Anglican. Massachusetts was Puritan. Rhode Island was Baptist. Connecticut and New Hampshire were Congregationalists. New York was Dutch Reformed. 
uh, Maryland Catholic, Pennsylvania Quaker. Um, and then I read through every state constitution, and I was amazed nine of the original state constitutions required office holders to be Protestant. Three said all you had to do was be a plain Christian. And then I read through all the messages and papers. And in some of them, they had to to admit that they believed that Jesus Christ was Lord. Correct. So so Delaware, 1776 Constitution, every office holder had to make a declaration of belief in God the Father, uh, creator and governor of the universe, Jesus Christ, his only son, the Holy Ghost, one God, blessed forevermore. Um, Ben Franklin signed Pennsylvania's Constitution, which required... Uh, every office holder to make a declaration of belief in God, creator and governor of the universe, rewarder of the good, punisher of the wicked, and acknowledge the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. So wow. you not only had to lay your hand on the scriptures, you had to swear you believed in the scriptures. And that was Ben Franklin that signed that. And then I read through uh, all of the presidential addresses. And I uh, was amazed that you had presidents declaring days of prayer, Days mm-hmm. of fasting and prayer, mm-hmm. and then days of thanksgiving. So and you, days of national repentance. Yeah, humiliation and prayer. Yeah, Lincoln yeah. had tw- two during the Civil War. Zachary Taylor had a day of fasting and prayer during the cholera epidemic of 1849. Ohio, Ohio had to cancel its first state fair because of the cholera epidemic. Um, and, you know, Dayton, Ohio, the reports were that people were kneeling in the streets praying because of this cholera epidemic, just wiping out thousands. And, and Zachary Taylor had this day of fasting and prayer. And by the end of the month, the death rates dropped off. But um, and then you had uh, John Adams had a day of fasting and prayer during a threatened war with France. James Madison had a day of fasting and prayer when the British burnt the White House. And even Woodrow Wilson had a day of fasting and prayer when we entered World War One. And then FDR gave out Gideon's New Testaments and Book of mm-hmm. Psalms to all the soldiers. And then Harry S. Truman made the National Day of Prayer an annual event. And then Reagan made it the first Thursday in May. And, and so I would excerpt these out, and I would compile them and uh, had a little 386 computer. Uh, this is before the days of Windows, before the yeah, days of Internet. Yeah. You just did word processing. And, and I finally got it printed in 1994, and it sold a half a million copies. And it wow. uh, all across the country and the world. And I've had congressmen and senators say they've used it on the floor. I was with Louis Gohmert in Tyler, Texas last week. And he goes, I've read out of your book so many times on the floor of Congress. And, and then I had the Supreme Court cite the book in 2013. The city of Greece, New York, was opening their city council with prayer in Jesus' name, ACLU sues. And the Supreme Court Justice, Anthony Kennedy, said, even our Continental Congress, open with prayer in Jesus' name, it's okay. And then he cites the prayer, and it says, W. Federer, America's God and Country. No kidding. And it's like, wow. my friends that write history books like, how did you get the Supreme Court to mention your book by name in the decision? Wow. And, um, so, and then I read through the um, uh, Massachusetts Blue Laws, right, in the mm-hmm. 1700s, where they actually put the scripture verse after the law. And uh, so that began uh, for our listeners who are going blue laws what are blue laws so what, what were the blue laws well it's everything closed on sunday mm-hmm. but uh, different so religion was under states jurisdiction and different states had stricter laws and different states had more loose laws so virginia was agricultural so you could travel on sunday but new england massachusetts connecticut when washington got sworn in as president he was going on a tour 
and he was going through Milford, Connecticut on a Sunday. The sheriff stopped the carriage, said, you're breaking the law. And what did Washington do? He went into the nearest house and spent the day. And all the people of Milford were like, oh, Washington stayed in that house. <laughs> Washington slept here. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but, but he was from Virginia where they didn't have those blue laws. Uh, you, know, you could travel in a carriage because it's agricultural and, and long distances to get to church. But in New England, you, you couldn't ride in a carriage. But, um, and so, but today we have, for example, some states have uh, smoking bans and others don't. Some states ban big, big gulps and others don't. Some states have marijuana, others don't. Some states, uh, Nevada has prostitution. Thank God the rest don't. But at the time of the founding, some states gave a little more religious freedom and some states didn't. But religion was under state's jurisdiction. And the First Amendment was to tie the federal government's hands, to right. keep the federal government out of state business. And that's the way it was understood up until the 1947 Everson case. But that, and that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, when and how did separation of church and state get hijacked by the left? Because the left interprets it exactly the opposite as Thomas Jefferson intended. When and how did that hijacking begin? So three steps. The first is in the early 1800s, there's an Irish potato famine. Millions of Irish Catholics come into America. Well, the country was 98% Protestant at the time of the revolution, 1% Catholic and a tenth of a percent Jewish, only seven synagogues in the whole country, 3 million people, 30,000 Catholics. And so when the Irish potato famine happened, the Catholic population went from 1% to 20% in a decade, and there was a backlash, and states began to put laws on their books to limit sectarian churches, and the sectarian was code for Catholics. So there were anti-Catholic okay. laws being put on the books. Fast forward, you've got the middle 1800s, Charles Darwin, evolution, species could evolve is his theory. And a guy named Herbert Spencer wanted to apply evolution to everything and including law. So he influenced Christopher Columbus Langdell, who was the head of Harvard. And Harvard applied evolution to law and called it case precedent theory. So prior to that, when you wanted to understand the Constitution, you went back and you read the debates. But Harvard was the only law school in the country that taught this evolutionary law where you don't go back and look at the founders. You just take the most recent case and you bend it a little bit. And so a Harvard graduate was... The Oliver. birth of the living constitution Correct. doctrine. That's where doctrine. that came from. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and then the, the third thing was the uh, 14th Amendment. So the first 10 amendments were handcuffs on the federal government after... The, the Democrats in the Deep South had slavery. Lincoln, Republican, freed the slaves. Link, uh, Lincoln helped push through the 13th Amendment, ending slavery. 14th Amendment to force these southern states to give rights to the freed slaves. And it was John Bingham of Ohio that pushed through the 14th Amendment. And someone said, well, this is different than the first 10 because the first 10 are the states putting handcuffs on the federal government. And this 14th is the federal government more or less telling the states what they can and cannot do. And, uh, and so... He, he said, well, that'll never happen, that the, the federal government won't take away any of the freedoms the states had. But nevertheless, you have these yeah. activist evolutionary judges, and they would begin to apply the first eight amendments. And hold that thought. We've got to take a break. I wish we could just abandon commercials when I'm talking to Bill Federer, and he has graciously agreed to stay with us until the top of the hour. Do you see why I'm so excited about tonight? 
I would drive a thousand miles to hear Bill Federer speak. Even if I've heard the speech before, it is jaw-dropping, mind-blowing, and I hope you can join us tonight. We'll be back with more Bob Bernie Live and Bill Federer. Follow Bob on Twitter at twitter.com slash Live. Welcome back to Bob Bernie Live. We're broadcasting live from Akron, Ohio, where the Big Freedom Banquet for the Ohio Christian Alliance will be held. And the speaker is Bill Federer. I am certain if you go to Webster's Dictionary and type in walking encyclopedia, the name Bill Federer will come up. Bill, it is a delight to have you here today, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say tonight. But before we go any further, how can our listeners learn more about Bill Federer? Oh, thank you, Bob. My website is AmericanMinute.com, AmericanMinute.com. I send out an email they can sign up for. We're doing the podcast, uh, do a radio spot called American Minute, and then a TV show called Faith and History airs on the TCT network on DirecTV. And, um, but uh, AmericanMinute.com is the best way to reach me. And our listeners can sign up for the American Minute. It comes to your inbox every day. I get it every day. It is phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal, and it's free. You could just go to AmericanMinute.com and subscribe, correct? Yes, yes. All right. Tonight, you're going to talk about socialism, but you're going to go way, way, way back to the very roots of socialism, correct? Right, so Plato, 380 B.C., was the first one that talked about everybody owning everything in common. And it sounds good till you think it through. Somebody has to be in the government handing out the common stuff, and they're always going to be tempted to want to funnel a little extra to their family and friends on the side and hold back from someone they don't like. And before you know it, it gets discretionary. And the saying is, he who holds the purse strings has the power. Mm-hmm. So every attempt at everybody owning everything equally always ends up with a deep state bureaucracy passing out favors to their friends. And then I go through how the pilgrims were originally a company colony, and they had bylaws, and the bylaws said everything would be owned in common for seven years. Everything gained by cooking, hunting, fishing, trading shall go into ye common stock. Everyone's livelihood shall come out of ye common stock. Sounds good. They almost starved to death. And yeah, we'll, but, isn't, but isn't that what was happening in the book of Acts at, after the day of Pentecost? They had everything in common. They basically lived in a commune, communism, and therefore it is biblical to be communists. Except for the definition of a word. It's voluntary or involuntary. So the early believers owned property and voluntarily sold their property and laid it at the feet of the apostles for the church to redistribute They didn't have the Roman government involuntarily take away their property and pass it out to their friends. And so when the children of Israel went into the promised land, every family was given property. Mm -hmm. If you own property, you can accumulate stuff. The Bible called that being blessed. Mm -hmm. And you can give away some of your stuff. The Bible called that charity. Lenin said socialism is a transition phase to communism. And Karl Marx says the theory of communism can be summed up in a single sentence, abolition of private property. So if you don't own anything, how can you be charitable? How can you give away what you don't have? What, are you going to steal from somebody, break the law, and now you're a thief? No, God entrusts you with stuff. It's yours. 
and you show on the outside voluntarily the love of God that's on the inside. Right? And so it's sort of like the whole reason he created us as humans is, is this whole voluntary thing. We're not robots. And, um, and so the French Revolution, the motto is liberty, equality, fraternity. Sounds nice. Doesn't work. Sounds like DEI. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, liberty is experienced individually. Fraternity was their word for socialism. Mm-hmm. The collective, the group, the mob, the state, and equality could be understood two ways. In America, it was equal treatment before the law. In France, it was everyone having an equal amount of stuff. Equity. Equity. And if the fraternity, the group, the collective, the state, the thinks you have too much stuff, well, guess what? The benefit of the collective outweighs the benefit of the individual. And they will use the power of the state to crush your individual liberty, confiscate all your stuff, redistribute it to their friends, and kill you. <laughs> and so the, um, the founders in America, uh, even James Madison, said charity is no part of the duty of the government. That the government's job is to protect the innocent punish the guilty. The church historically has been the institution to take care of the poor, feed the hungry, start the hospitals, take care of the orphans. The church did it. Mm-hmm. And what happened under FDR is the government usurped the church's role. We mm-hmm. need to take care of the poor. Yeah, but it's not the government's job. It's the church's job. We need to take care of the immigrants. We need to do this. Yeah, the, the church historically t- started the schools. They did all that. And um, But the problem is when the government ends up getting involved, they're going to – it's like Egypt where you need food. The government will give you food, but it's in exchange for your cattle, your land, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. lives, your vote. Yeah. And um, – and so when you add that into what's happening today, Lyndon Johnson started the Great Society Welfare State intentionally to get as many people up, signed up to welfare, and they'll end up voting for the candidates that will give them free stuff. And then Lyndon Johnson changed the immigration quotas to bring in more immigrants from poorer countries because if more immigrants come in and sign up for welfare, they're going to be, end up becoming Democrat voters. And so it's a way to build the voter base. Let as many immigrants in as possible. I was recently in Texas. And they said, um, when you get your driver's license, you check, and um, and you check the citizen box. She said, there's nobody in the government that checks to see if you're actually a citizen when you check the citizen box. In other words, anybody can come in when they get the driver's license; they automatically can vote. All right, uh, I knew our time would go so fast. I hope you could be at the Freedom Banquet tonight. You can walk in and buy a ticket. There are a few left, very few. Bill Federer, thank you so much. AmericanMinute.com. Check it out. Can't wait to hear you tonight. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Bob. All right, Bob Bernie Live will continue in just a moment. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.